Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Promise, we're looking at the nativity story to see how wrestling with longing can help us eliminate hurry from our lives. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. So it seems to me quite amazing uh, how quickly time goes. We're towards the end of the year. At the beginning of the year, you, me, and our wives, Tim, we made a trip to Israel, to the Holy Land, and we were able to visit that country. It was a world winter, seven days, um, fly, land, sleep, and then uh, tour sleep. all the sites. Yeah, sleep. And, and uh, I think we counted like we must have walked close to 30 miles in five days yeah. touring all the sites. Now, do you remember the first place we visited? Oh, yeah. Where? We went to the Herodium. The Herodium in Judea. Mm -hmm. Herodium is the summer palace of King Herod the Great. And King Herod is the Herod that you read about in the New Testament when it comes to the Christmas story. Herod was known as a great builder. In fact, he is the one that modified the temple and uh, merely expanded the second building. So Mm -hmm. I guess Herod's building could be... 2.5, and he also built a number of other major constructions in Judea at the time, one of them being the Herodium, his summer palace. What's impressive about this is that it's out in the desert, and yet it was a a place where he had this massive pool out front (laughs) to entertain his guests. Up in the actual palace, which was more like a tower, he had a sauna, a cold and a hot sauna. Can you imagine that? They not only had an aqueduct to bring the water, but they had the technology of that time to create a hot sauna, a place where you could have steam coming in in, in the desert in the middle of nowhere, which was impressive. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah. Um, all I can remember about our visit to the Herodian, though, was that the weather was, was quite interesting. We had a gale force wind uh, blowing with rain, small bits of rain. And you know what that's like? That's like being pelted by little pieces yeah. of... of of sand, and it was quite a trip to climb up to the up to the place where we had to go in in the Herodium. I've got some pictures. Let me show you. Uh, there on, on my left, your right probably. You see walking up there. My poor wife had to hold on to that rail. She's only a little thing. She almost took off. I almost lost Shannon in Judea. Could have been an international incident because she would have arrived in Jordan probably by the time that thing's blown. And then on, on the other side, you see the picture. That's Tim Peace. He always seemed to photobomb my pictures. But God gave us Tim Peace and a rainbow. He's at a that paparazzi. Day. That's paparazzi, right. That's yeah. So the, the Herodian, to give you an idea of where it is, the Herodian is not too far from Bethlehem. And uh, the middle picture there is a picture of Bethlehem across the way. And so you can see Bethlehem in the distance. This massive uh, construction by Herod the Great mm-hmm. is there. And I think you and I both were, were really uh, taken by just the impressiveness of Herod's building yeah. and all that was done. I think, uh, I think you said earlier that his tomb was there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, talk about the winds. Uh, so, you know, we were going up. And Didi's not joking, the, the wind, it felt like it was going to push you off of this thing, especially the higher up you got. And we get to a, a spot where we're bracketed from the wind. Mm-hmm. And our guide, Mark Zeese, decides to tell us at that point, they discovered what they believed to be Herod's tomb at this site. And the guy that made the major discovery died at this site by falling off of the Herodian. So, so yeah. fun fact. Fun fact. 
Uh, but we, we survived, I think. Yeah, we did. <laughs> you that? lost your hair. He lost I his hair. I did lose from my hair. Wind. It was the wind. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, good. So uh, the Herodian is there in Judea and across from Bethlehem. Of course, when we think about Bethlehem as the hometown of David, the shepherd who would become king. And it's also the place where in the Christmas story, which we're going to look to in a minute, is the place where the shepherds were keeping watch of their flock by night, the place in which Jesus then would go. It was their hometown because they were... Uh, from that tribe and had to go. That was their hometown for the census, and Jesus was born there, Mary, Joseph, and all of that. Um, so it's a place where they still keep sheep, and that's a, a flock of sheep, uh, wasi sheep, fat-tailed sheep, very much the same kind of species of sheep that they had in Jesus' time. Very interesting when you go and you see a, a herd of sheep like that, and you see the shepherds, they're out there, and they're in jeans and a T-shirt kind of thing. And as soon as they notice you starting taking pictures of the sheep, they disappear, and then all of a sudden they come out in robes with a crook, <laughs> with a hat. And uh, they pick up sheep, and they come to you, and they say, oh, picture, picture. And you're like, oh, that's so nice. Be careful, because when you say yes, then all of a sudden it's $5. Everything's $5, right? And sometimes they'll jump it up to $10. $10 if you look particularly gullible. If you got gullible. two sheep. You yeah, know, <laughs> double it up, yeah. So after we visited uh, Herodian, saw the sheep, we went over to, to actually Bethlehem and we visited one site talking about the shepherds. The site is called the uh, Chapel of Shepherd's Field. I forget what the Italian name was. And inside that chapel was quite beautiful. There were a number of these pictures. This is the picture of the angel appearing to the shepherds making the announcement. The next picture is of the Christ child. Notice uh, the location of the birth, right? It's not your typical nativity scene, Jesus is born in a cave. And uh, that's very interesting because speculation is, is that this is more than likely the manger or the place where they kept the animal, a cave under the house where they lived. And Jesus was in the manger. Now, I know I'm blowing up all of your manger scenes on your, and your display at home, um, <laughs> but the place they kept the sheep. And, and, you know, when they talk about no room for, for Jesus at the end, it wasn't like Best Western no. Bethlehem was out of room, yeah. or Airbnb yeah, wasn't working. Right. Um, what it was was no room in the end means there was no room at the house. More than likely, Mary and Joseph would so go actually, to the kind of Airbnb was working. I guess it was right. Probably yeah, used, and they I'm got sure. discounted rate for getting the uh, for the <laughs> place where they're born. But you know, Mary and Joseph didn't have any room in the house, and so where the baby was born. Uh, was more than likely, hey, there's nowhere out, kind of like, let's go and find some place in the basement. That's, that's similar to, to the situation. And the last picture there is the shepherds going forth, rejoicing at the news that they were honored with the message of the Christ child. Now, the reason I'm doing this, I'm not showing you pictures of the Church of the Nativity, which is rather ornate, and it's just a church where you go down a cave and there's a whole bunch of people and incense and stuff. You can kiss the... You can kiss the, kiss the place, yeah. Um, but they have there something that's more realistic to perhaps the situation. That's a cave not too far from that chapel that we went into that we then sat in and uh, read the Christmas story to really capture the birth of the Christ child. And there's the other picture here, all of us sitting in that cave. And so in your mind, I want you to, to imagine that there's Mary. Uh, she probably wouldn't have had Joseph there. He's been a good, faithful Jew, would not be near a child being born because he would be unclean. So more than likely there would be a midwife and all the ladies there tending to her. She wouldn't have been alone. And uh, the animals wouldn't have been there because that wouldn't have been a no-go for them. They would have prepared that. And there in that cave, uh, Jesus was born. 
which reiterated in this place, really made it profound to us the difference between Herod the Great, the king of the Jews at the time, one who was not seen as a legitimate king because he wasn't really Jewish, he was Idumean, uh, but had forced his way into power with might and with uh, mighty works, with the big, if you'd like. And yet here's Herod the Great's Herodium, and then just across the way, not too far, is the place where Jesus is born and the means in which the King of Kings, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, comes into the world is through the small and through the humble, which reinforces this concept that we see in Scripture over and over and over again. God does his work through the small. God does his work not through the qualified. He qualifies those who are called, right? And I think uh, that was really touching to me and brought into sharp contrast for me and as I think about living faith, how we have a tendency to gravitate to this notion that um, if I'm going to be useful for, to God, I have to either be perfect, mo- best educated, best equipped, best prepared. I have, to, I have this idea that God only works on the big and yet the message is that God always has worked through the small and those who are faithful with what they have and relying on God. I don't know your thoughts about how that works. Yeah, I mean, as Dean and I were talking about this all week, you know, we're we're coming up on Christmas Day, and I don't know, does anybody else in the room get stressed at this time of year? Or am I the only person? Anyone go out on the roads yesterday? (laughs) That was stupid. Um, Yeah, I did that. Um, Here's the thing, you know, we, you know, we wreck ourselves at this time of year. We, we think we've got to have the perfect gift. Uh, we, we feel like we've got to bring something uh, big to the table or, I guess, something big under the tree mm. at this time of year. And, and it becomes a big stress point. And I, I think that this season and the stress we feel from that is kind of a microcosm of this whole, this whole idea. We, we constantly expect that we have to bring something big, something worthwhile, something impressive uh, to somebody else in order to be worthwhile uh, and to be able to have an impact or influence. And I'm reminded in this story we're about to read this morning that it's through the small and the simple that that God works. And that I've, I've found that to be a comfort as I've been reflecting on that this week. And I'd imagine that you will too. Uh, especially as we're coming up on the day where, you know, all that, you know, traffic fighting and gift finding, uh, you know, comes to a head at the, uh, at the time of giving. Yeah, I think more and more we are impressed by the big. We're impressed with the Herodians, yet God is not impressed with that. Where God works is in the small. He works in the cave, in the manger. He works through uh, humble people, uh, those whom we would say are the least qualified uh, yet uh, the most faithful God works through that. And I think this whole encounter, seeing the shepherd, seeing the sheep, being reminded of that just brought, us, brought that reality to yeah. me in that. And so we're going to read through the shepherd story and perhaps hopefully give you some encouragement. I don't know if you struggle with this, a sense of inadequacy when it comes to your faith, a sense of failure when it comes to living faithfully to God, a sense of being overwhelmed that, oh, I don't, I don't know... 
I don't, I don't see God's power work. I don't see change. I don't see my prayers doing much. I don't feel like uh, I can do anything unless I be able to have some help and bring him to the big, to the church, to the experts. If you struggle with that, we're hoping that, that this message will reach you where you live, just as it reaches where we live, to say, you know, God does his best work for the small. As long as those of us who receive a gift from him are faithful in being able to share the gift he gives. And so we're going to read through the, the story of the shepherds. I'm going to have Tim, because he's got a great reading voice, right? I mean, he's got a face for radio. Um, <laughs> oh, did I say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. So you've got a great reading voice, Luke right, chapter 2, verse 9. <laughs> <laughs> it says, starting in verse 9, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's good. Sean. I say Sean, but anyway. <laughs> and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I think it's interesting. I capture the cultural feeling towards shepherds. Luke is writing, and his primary audience are to non-Jews, and he has a way in which his, his angle is that he shows that, it's, that this message of Christ is for the unexpected, those who are on the lower levels of society. And, I, and I, it's interesting, I did a whole bunch of research on shepherds. Shepherds in the time of, of the Bible kind of had two sides of, of attitude. On the one side, of course, we talk about the great shepherd king, David. Bethlehem was his hometown. God himself says, I'm the shepherd of the people. So there was a high value to shepherds. Shepherds were the leaders of the country. But on the flip side, because of the religious environment, particularly now with, with you know, the way things had changed in that culture, mm -hmm. shepherds were also seen as lower-level workers, lower-level in terms of the social stratus, social ladder, because they dealt with animals, and because they dealt with animals meant that they would be ceremonially unclean. Mm -hmm. So there's this notion, well, we think of these shepherds, and we might say, well, they had a noble work, the work of King David. Truth be told is that these guys were just low-level mm -hmm. workers who took care of the animals, who weren't seen as perhaps significant, weren't seen as perhaps... Um, movers and shakers in culture, but yet it's God who chooses to announce to them the birth of Jesus. And there's intention there. I think there's an intention, obviously, there. Why did the shepherds be selected to be the ones to receive those good news? And I believe it, again, reiterates the constant message of the gospel. God does his big work through the small. God does his big work through those whom we would not expect it because God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I mean, any thoughts on, on that, Tim? Yeah, I just love how the Christmas story unfolds in Luke because time and time again, you know, when you start off in the birth of John the Baptist or the, you know, with Elizabeth, you know, you find out that she's barren. And so that's, that's small number one. You know, what you find out about Elizabeth is because she's barren, uh, she's looked down, disdained by those around her. She has a disgrace that, that she carries with her because of this uh, from a cultural standpoint. And yet God chooses 
that family to bring about John the Baptist, the forerunner to announce the coming of Jesus. And then he shows up to Mary, and Mary self-identifies as someone that's a humble state, Mm -hmm. a, a lowly person, has this posture of, God, why would you do this thing through me? I'm insignificant. And yet God, uh, again, shows up and uses Mary in this story. And so we shouldn't be that surprised that God will show up again uh, to make this announcement to these lowly shepherds. Uh, they are in a, a rustic, uh, small environment. You know, they're under the nose of Herod, who's in this, you know, I told last service, what's, what's amazing about the Herodian is that Herod had a knack for going and finding uh, natural spots to build on and adding to them to make them bigger. So he found this natural hill and actually built upon it and created more elevation to stand out and tower over everyone around him. And he's, he's looking down and under his nose is this small little town and God doesn't come to the kingly, he doesn't come to the wealthy, the, the elite he shows up to these shepherds that are just out and about in, in the fields and, and, and does this, this work beginning through them. And I think that's pretty amazing. And that's, I think that's the, the heart of what we would say is the heart of the Christian message. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God has called you and made available to you a way in which you can be made right through faith. And it's not about your accomplishments and it's not about your status high or low. It's about your receptivity to him and responding in faith. And we see that in, in the way the, the shepherds re- responded. Verse 13, you want to read for us? Yeah. So suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And I just love that. I think their response is indicative of just where they were and perhaps maybe an insight into the attitude that we could take in terms of dealing with God working in our life. They recognize that they were blessed. They, they received a benefit from God. God is the originator of that benefit, so he is the, the, the benefactor, mm-hmm. and they were the beneficiaries, and they embraced that place. They accepted God's gift of grace. They accepted it, they believed on it, and they acted in it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there is, is something that is encouraging to me is that we tend to put all these intricacies and all these if, ands, and buts and contingencies that somehow we feel like have to be in place in order to be able to receive the blessing of God. You know, I've heard this, if I haven't heard this a hundred times, people are like, oh, I can't come to church yet because if I come, the walls will f- crash in. I'm like, why do you say that? Well, because I, I need to sort things out in my life. And I'm like, you, you're missing it, man. Uh, the point of church is a place where that's, we're all like that. If, if that was the case, the church would have collapsed when I walked into the door. I promise you. Believe me, it would have fallen in, right? And I know a lot of you, too, and it would have fallen in for sure. Um, so here's, here's the thing is that God, God's work is about those of us who are willing to actually accept the good news like the shepherds, accept that it comes from God, and actually 
relax and, and, and rejoice in the fact that they've received it and act on that. I don't know. Any thoughts on that addition? Well, one, of the, one of the things that, that's interesting to me is, I don't know if anybody in the room has ever had what you would consider a mountaintop experience of faith. Maybe it's when you first came to faith and you just had this fire about you. Or maybe you, you had, a, had an experience or maybe you were on a retreat or something like that, a time to get away and just be with you and God in some way, and you really felt moved and inspired and challenged. And, and for most of us, when we have those experiences, what happens is we're, we're up on high and then kind of start to taper down. And instead of moving forward from those spots, what do we normally want? We normally want to go back. We want to get back to that spot, or we want to hold on to it. And and I think a lot of that comes, you know, even in reflecting on Christmas time, I don't know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, the most exciting thing about Christmas was getting presents. Admit it, I'm not the only person in here that was that way. I mean, there are some people that are better, I get it, but, but some of you aren't. And so... And that's the thing, like, we, 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 we look forward to that, and we want to capture that, and we want to hold on to it and relish in it. And it's good to have that sort of joy, but what amazes me here is you want to talk about them. Now, now, I know we're talking about God doing things through the small, and the shepherds are small, societally speaking, but he does something pretty big because this heavenly host shows up with the angel, and these shepherds have this experience. You want to talk about a mountaintop experience. And yet, they don't sit there and say, hey, let's talk about this all night <laughs> to ourselves. No, they say, let's get up and go. They take that next step of faith. They do something with it. And I find that to be inspiring and, and, and changing for, for someone that's, that's used to wanting to hold on or go back to that mountaintop point. So instead saying, yeah, God's given this to me. What am I going to do with it? Well, I'm going to act. Sure, you know. Verse 16. Oh, yeah. You're going to jump in that? Yeah, sure. You're going to read it with the right accent? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'll do your accent <laughs> no, one of these good. days, man. It would be probably ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know, we've been uh, talking about committing ourselves to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in the Christmas season. Advent is the Christmas season by church calendar. Advent means uh, the coming. And the focus of Christmas is the fulfillment of your waiting on God. It is the affirmation that God fulfills his promises. And so we celebrate the fulfillment of, of Jesus coming as the fulfillment of the promise he made in, to Israel in the Old Testament. And then we also now wait as people of faith in Jesus. We wait now for his return, the second coming. And we're reminded of the value of being faithful in, in the little, right? Mm -hmm. Faithful waiting for Jesus to return. And I, and I see this story and I think, you know, sometimes in our faith, it, it, we complicate things, we come up with excuses, and these shepherds just kept it simple, mm -hmm. right? They heard the blessing, they received the blessing of God, they heard the good news. What did they do with that good news? 
they accepted it, and then they moved out, and we're told, then they told everyone. They shared the blessing. The benefit from the, the benefactor as them, the beneficiary, they began to give a benediction. So that's coming soon. The benediction, uh, giving good news, sharing with others. And I think a lot of times, maybe this Christmas season, as we try to take a pause and try to make uh, a commitment to make things meaningful and faith, faith-focusing, Perhaps we could look to, in this Christmas season, in the hurry, in the craziness, in the stress, in the heightened of everything without perfect expectation of everything, maybe we can look to say, okay, let's follow the shepherds. Simply, let's commit to give what we've been blessed with to share it with another in faith. I mean, yeah. I mean, in the Gospel of Luke, you know, it doesn't, nowhere does Luke call the shepherds this, but they're the first evangelists in the Gospel. It's not the disciples. Hmm. Effectively, they, they hear this message, they go see for themselves, and once they, once they hear and see, they go out and share and tell. That's it. And here's what's amazing. We hear time and time and time again about how underqualified, uh, lacking in knowledge, how insignificant people feel that they are, that they can't influence somebody else with the gospel. And yet... Societally speaking, in the gospel, it doesn't get any lower than being a shepherd. And these guys, you know, yes, they see this heavenly host, but they're not given a bunch of information here. They're basically told that the Savior's been born, and they're told how to find him. And then they go and see the baby. That's it. And immediately, with those three small pieces of information... They were equipped to go and tell others. And the text tells us here that all that heard them were amazed. All that heard them were amazed. You know, we may not feel equipped in life, but anybody that calls themselves a Christian in this room has a faith experience to share. God has blessed you in some way. Whether it's when you first came to faith or whether it's in the small and continuous ways that he continues to bless you, he's got something that he's given you that you can share with other people, just like these shepherds did. And that's why we hear these stories of faithfulness of these people, so we can emulate them. But it's not the kings on high that we're called to emulate. It's the lowly shepherds. And we can do that. They were able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, the bottom line we got here, maybe the challenge when it comes to Christmas, simply put, when you get the gift, share the gift. And what gift of Christmas have you received? In this season, what insight have you been blessed with? What answered prayer? What encouragement? What scripture? What act of kindness? You've been blessed. And I think when we get to the point where we can, first of all, look at our lives and maybe take up a challenge we had a few weeks ago. Let's give thanks and let's look at the benefits that we've received from the benefactor God himself. Even in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our dark times, even in the midst of difficulty, let's just take a moment, take a deep breath. This Christmas. What benefit have we received from the benefactor that, that, that means that we're the beneficiaries? We are the, the, the source of God's blessing. And because we're the source of God's blessing, the reaction, just like the shepherds then, is what? Let's act on it. And the way we act on it is by sharing the good news. You know, by sharing the good news, by telling others, 
by sharing that gift with others. So I've got a challenge, and uh, kind of got this from, from a book, uh, Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. Uh, it's one of his chapters. He said, we're going to take up the, the Benny challenge. You want to do it? Go ahead. You want to Benny and the Jets. <laughs> Memory devices. Benny, Benny, and the Jets. Benny and the Jets. But not that kind of Benny. Uh, B-E-N-E. It's a Latin word for good. B-E-N-E, Latin word for good. And so it's a challenge to remember the good. And the process goes like this. There's a benefit in your life. There's a good thing in your life that comes from a benefactor. That's God himself. And I don't know what that is for you specifically right now. But I would ask that you would open your heart and your, and your thought and your mind to consider what, what benefit have I received from the benefactor which makes me a beneficiary, a recipient of grace, a recipient of good. And because I'm a grace recipient, then I can be a grace giver. I can be a one who sings a benediction. Benediction. Don't sing Benny, but benediction. Benny, good diction speech, right? Now, not too long ago, I was uh, introduced to this concept of God assignments. As a pastor, the tendency is to take responsibility for everybody. Take responsibility for everything in the church, every person, every issue. Take responsibility personally and feel like uh, it's mine to solve. And uh, in conversation with a very wise person, she reminded me, wait, that's not what God says the Bible uh, says the church is all about. It's not about one feeding and taking care of everything. It's about the body, different parts doing different things. So in effect, Didi, you do what God calls you to do. You fulfill your God assignment. And every one of you who are a part of this church, a part of the church, are called to be part of the family of God, Jesus followers, who have received the benefit of grace from the benefactor of the grace giver God, and you are the beneficiary you have value, which means you have value then to give because of the Spirit of God in your life. Every one of us have God assignments. Who are those God assignments? Who are those people in your small circle of influence that you have the opportunity to bless with a benediction, to share the gift of Christmas, the gift that comes from Jesus with? Who are they? Could be your children. Could be your spouse. Could be your grandparent. Could be that group of close friends that are walking faith with you in your discipleship group, in your small group? Who are your God assignments? I was in Kroger yesterday shopping. I know, I'm insane. But the wife led me there, so we can say Shannon's fault. And it was insane. I mean, I've never had to do as much maneuvering with my shopping cart than I did yesterday. I mean, it was like, excuse me, and I mean, and I was amazed that I ran into a couple of people who were giving benedictions. They were speaking good. I heard one man speaking to one of the workers just saying, thank you so much for putting the extra work. He was putting out the, the dairy. And I'm like, man, I wonder if that guy is a Christian. Because that's the kind of stuff Jesus followers do. And then there was a couple that was ahead of me and the guy forgot his wallet, the wallet, so he had to run out and we had to wait and they were so apologetic and yet their grace and kindness and I'm thinking, I wonder... This is very different to, to what we expect at this time with stress. And yet these people were different. They were different, and they were giving benedictions. They were giving good speech, godly things. And I don't know if they were Christians or not, but, man, I, I, I can kind of bet they had to be because 
those who live by grace and live with gratitude, that's the kind of stuff that comes out in these stressful times. And I wonder this Christmas if we take up that Benny challenge and to see that maybe in this time is an opportunity for us to recognize the benefit from the benefactor, that we are the beneficiary, and just say, thank you, God, that you love us. Now, how can I love someone else? How can I be like the shepherds? Hear, accept, go, and share. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the things that's impacted me in, in my faith is just mentor figures taking time out uh, to sit down and talk with me over the years. And uh, any, any, any one of us can sit down and talk with someone. And, and I think, you know, in the spirit of finding that circle of people, I mean, if, if any of you in the room are going to be running around visiting family all over the place this week, you have an opportunity to do this challenge right then and there. Yeah, I know we're all thinking I got to get here and I got to get here and I got to make sure I get the gifts here and all this stuff, but slow down for a moment. And just have that conversation with somebody in your life. You know, you want to talk about a God assignment. Sometimes we're waiting for God to zap us to give us that assignment. It's probably already there. You might be sitting next to your God assignment right now. And all you have to do is share the gift just by having a conversation. It doesn't take wrapping paper and a bow. And so, you know, that's what I'm going to attempt to do just this week and beyond is be more mindful of the fact that I can live as these shepherds lived and I can go share what God's given me to the people that are around me. And if I do that, imagine what will happen if other people go do that and then their people go do that. Yeah, I, you know, I think there's a, there's a movement afoot, and you and I have talked about this. Um, there's a movement afoot. We're, as a church, what we have the expectation is to change lives. And yet we fall into perhaps a false thinking that changed lives occur by the big. But again and again in the Bible, we see that changed lives occur by the small. And when we all who are members of this church, no matter where we are in our growth continuum or our walk with God, whether we're new in the faith, whether we're young in the faith, whether we're maybe a teenager or a young adult in the faith, or we're, we're, we're a parent in the faith in that we're mature and we, we know how to, to, to train and, and invest in others to become Jesus followers. Wherever we are in this, what would happen if we all committed to God's way? And God's way is this. We're going to go small. We're going to invest that gift that we have that God's given us in the small relationships, the closest relationships. We go small. We go strong. Meaning we don't, we, we go strong and, and we talk about stuff that, that are from God, hard stuff, grace stuff. We go strong and we go slow. Mm-hmm. We tend to rush, we tend to be impatient with change, but we go slow because I believe that as I look at this, this God's way of bringing big change to the world. And so maybe in 2019, we not only remember the story at this time of the shepherd, but for 2019, we think about making that commitment, going small going strong, going slow in our faith walk. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.